Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Stand up with me if you would. Thank you for being here this morning. How many of you guys already feel like you've had church? Me too, me too. Let's pray together as is our custom as we stand. Father, thank you for your grace, your mercy, your goodness. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you illuminate our hearts with the word of God, that we would never, God, come into a place, come into your church and not be changed, God. Help us to be more like you. We're excited to be in your presence. Speak to us, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and everyone says... Amen, amen. Go ahead, sit down, uh, let your neighbor know you're glad to see them. However, you're streaming with us today. Thank you so much for being there. Let's see if I can not be tongue-tied the whole service. How does that sound? As we uh, continue our sermon series, continuing a legacy, celebrating a life of ministry. I don't know, Mary, I might be tongue-tied the whole service. We'll see here. So I know that drives her crazy more than it does any one of you, I promise. This is our fourth installment. Of course, it started with the transition three weeks ago now. And uh, to say that I'm elated to have this opportunity would be an understatement. I really, really appreciate the opportunity that I have and the, to be the under-shepherd with Jesus Christ here as I look towards Pastor Mike. And the first thing that we talked about was position, or excuse me, the first thing that we talked about was titles, you know, or, or no, it was position. You know, what do we, what, what, what do we, no, it was titles. See, this is the reason why you have a five-year transition, because when this happens during the sermon, you don't get nervous. You just take a break. You don't try to stumble over your words and look more foolish. (laughs) The first one we talked about was titles, I believe. What do we call? Pastor Matt, Pastor Mike is sufficient. Last week, we talked a little bit about position, and you're going to begin to see Pastor Mike. Matter of fact, he's preaching next Sunday morning, going to start off the apologetic series, which we're really excited about. He'll continue that on Sunday nights. He was teaching the Sunday school class in the back. And I just want to say publicly, Corey Rawls and Pastor Mike have really spearheaded this um, 6,000-square-foot building here on the West Annex. How many of you guys have seen that? It's exciting. I'm, I'm telling you, it's a great, great thing. We're going to use it for Sunday school classrooms. We're going to, our school's going to be blessed by it. The youth is going to be blessed by it. There's a lot of wonderful opportunities and he and Corey's been working with architects and all the red tape that you have to cut through and those type of deals and and it's it's things like that that I really enjoy because that's the influence I was sitting in his office the other day as he and Corey were talking to the architect and you know what I found out I knew I don't know anything about (laughs) about building you know I was just a fly on the wall and the architect would say something Pastor Mike would say something Corey would say something I'm like yeah ditto Ditto, whatever, yeah, that sounds good to me, you know. So I've got some learning to do, but that's okay, because we're going to continue to build, amen? Yeah, we're going to get that at the youth center, children's building built, and we're just going to continue to see what the God won't do. So I appreciate Pastor Mike's influence on my life. So if you wonder, is there still going to be an influence? Absolutely. It hasn't gone anywhere, nor will it go anywhere. I really appreciate him and appreciate what we're doing. Matter of fact, tonight he's preaching on an upgrade in our life, becoming a person of faith. So if you're not doing anything tonight at 6 p.m., I encourage you to come back and be a part. We're serious about our Sunday night services around here. Amen? We know that some people can't be here because you guys work and different things, and if you're listening, we understand that. So we, we do it on Sunday nights, and you guys come back, or you guys come for the first time, or however it is, just let's pack the place out and see what God won't do. Amen? Amen, amen. Now, if you'd open up your Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. 
Here Paul, the apostle, is talking to his son Timothy in the faith, and we know the scripture really well as we've um, read it the last couple of weeks here. And he's sharing something with his son. He says, listen, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart. Now remember, that's instructions that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. And where I want to stop at today is finally on sincere faith. Now we remember that this is the agape love that we're putting others first the first week we talked about a pure heart, how Christ, um, our heart is Christ's home. He's not just a tenant, amen? It belongs to him when we do what he says. We hide the word of God in our heart. We let the Holy Spirit have freedom in our heart. That's what it takes to have a pure heart. To have a good conscience where you realize that it takes constant care. That our conscience is kind of like our warning system when something's breached or we're walking in the Spirit like we're supposed to. Signals go off and encourage us and also a witness of the Holy Spirit. Can I get a witness? Amen. So I had to tell you this story. Yesterday I was in Target, which seemed like forever, but I was in Target for a bit yesterday with the family. And I was texting Pastor Mike, and I got to text uh, Mary Smith, the one who heads up our missions here. And I began to see all these pictures of, of Bishop um, uh, uh, Castillo Capri. And I'm telling you guys, I haven't ever met him, but in my spirit, like, I just began... To celebrate, it was like a bittersweet, a bittersweet moment. You know what I mean? Like literally, I had to find an aisle that nobody was down and kind of go and collect myself because the inner witness of the Holy Spirit said, it was like he said this, the world has lost a warrior, but the kingdom gained a saint today. Oh, man. And, and I never even met the guy, but I was looking through the pictures and our church history with him and the impacts in the churches. It's like that witness, man, just began to rise up within me. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Well, that's what we talked about with having a good conscience. It's that signal that the witness of the Holy Spirit is very much a part of. And today we're going to talk about a sincere faith, a genuine faith, a faith that's not glossed over, is not something that it's not. So if you want to open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17, or click, or however you get to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 17, that would be fine. We're going to look to Paul's words. What does it mean to have a sincere faith? And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how our faith is not of this world, and we're also going to talk about corruption. Corruption is something that can enter in our lives and really begin to break down sincere faith, and we don't want that to happen. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17, Paul is writing to his friends, For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God we speak in Christ. And Paul helps us understand, he uses this phrase, but as men of sincerity. Now, that's important to understand. That could be as individuals of sincerity. Now, he's referring to himself, but as he's talking to us in that, he's talking to a congregation, to a church. So it's not just a, a, gender, a, a specific gender, but it's all of us, that we need to walk as individuals with a sincerity in our faith, something that has been ignited in us by the Holy Spirit. One of the things that we learned in uh, mentoring class is understanding the definition of sincere and one of the definitions of sincere is whenever they would create pottery and they would do things of that nature especially back in the day what the the potters would do is they would take wax and they would put wax over those imperfections to kind of smooth out that pot and then as they painted it and did those type of things it looked like you were getting a miraculous you know piece of pottery like there's no imperfections there's nothing it's smooth it's solid but how many of us know that Christ didn't want that in us? 
He wanted us like we were. He didn't want us to have waxed over our imperfections. He said, come as you are. And to have a sincere faith is saying, God, I want to take it like you dish it out. I want to take it. I want to have the faith that you said I could have, not the faith that I think I want. But God, what you said is possible. But in the same sense, we get to go to God and we bring ourselves and our imperfections and they don't have to be glossed over. They don't have to, we don't have to act like they're not there. Christ knew what he was getting on the cross, amen? So as we talk about a sincere faith, it's awesome to know that not only can we be sincere, this, this is who we really are, but we go to a God who says, listen, I've got the real thing for you, baby. This is the real faith, amen? Sincerity also means clearness and purity, it means Now, this is a really interesting one as I was doing a word search, kind of a word history. It, it, it sincerity also um, has the ideal that you take a garment or something out and you begin to unfold it in the sunlight and the sun shines down and it shows its imperfections. Like it, what it truly is, that it's not, it's not hidden. It, it means properly sifted and cleansed by the rapid of rolling movement. Now, that's very interesting if you think about it because Christ promises us that what? Out of our bellies will flow rivers of living water. And we know that's because the Holy Spirit comes into our life and washes us. Amen. So you see that rolling movement that as the Holy Spirit comes in and those rivers of water come out, that it's sincerity, that it's something that I had nothing to do with. Amen. It was the Holy Spirit. One of the definitions affected by the Holy Spirit as in understanding that we desire a sincere faith, and this is the thing, that it's not produced within ourself and our flesh, but it's produced because that day when we gave our heart to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit came into our life, amen? And now the sincerity, the compulsion to do what God asks us to do and the way that he does it, this compulsion that people come up and get around us and they're like, why are you so serious? Like, this is so real to you. And you're like, sometimes I don't know why, but it's something that bubbles up with inside of me that's not from me, but it's from the spirit of the living God. Sincere faith. Sincere faith, faith, it's what makes us different. We're not like others, amen? John Wooten was a great basketball coach, won 10 national titles at UCLA in basketball. Some coaches coach their entire career and never win one. Almost never even make it to the big tournament. He had an incredible way of bringing character to his young men. He would teach them to be physically, mentally, and even somewhat spiritually strong. And whenever we think of character, that's kind of what we think of. It's kind of who you are in the dark, amen? But back during the Greek times, back whenever Paul is writing and in that area, character meant something that was a little different. Character was talking about a unique feature on somebody. A a character... In some ways, it was like an individual feature, an individual mark, a defining quality in that person. One author put it like this. He put it like this, that it was, it was a mark written by an engraver. See, in, what, what Coach Wooten tried to do is create the character that we know of today, which there's nothing wrong with that. We want young men with solid character, Amen. Mentally, physically, spiritually, these things that we know. But character had everything to do with sincerity back in Paul's day as well. Because it was a mark that was on an individual that was put by the master engraver. 
And I hope that whenever we talk about sincere faith, that we are marked by our creator, that he is engraved on our hearts and our spirit the desire to serve him with everything, no matter what the cost is. That around our friends and around our families and, and whenever we go out to work, that people look into our lives. This is what Paul is telling Timothy, that it's from a place of a sincere heart, that there is a pure heart, a, a, a clear conscience and a, a sincere faith. They get around you and they don't feel what they feel around you, around other people, unless there are other believers that have that same thing in their life that draws them in, that says, I don't know why you're so serious. I don't know why you take this so deep in your heart because it's the Holy Spirit that stirs us up it's not created by us amen sincere faith it's not something that we could do within ourselves because we were marked by the master our souls were marked by the master our lives have been marked by the master that true character that runs deeper than we could ever imagine and as Paul is talking about men of sincerity or individuals of sincerity, that's what he's talking about. Listen, our lives are marked, aren't they? We're different than the rest of the world. And we have to be okay with that. Now, as we go on here, so this is really what I'm, I'm rolling into. My first point is simply, listen, we have a faith not of this world, amen? And we have to be okay with it. We have to be okay with not having a faith that's not in this world. A quick Google search will help you, will help you understand this, okay? Over 4,000 religions are in the world, over 4,000. 80 to 85% of the world identifies with a religion. 80 to 85% of the people on planet Earth say, yes, I'm hooked into one religion or another. But Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17, for we are not like so many. See, we're not like the other 4,000, are we? We're not like the 80 or the 85. Ours is different because we believe that Jesus Christ is the only way, amen, the true son of the living God, a one-of-a-kind. There's a one-of-a-kind object. It is one inch by seven-eighths of an inch by 15, 30 seconds of an inch. Not very big. It was found in 1966, or excuse me, 1666. And when it was found in 1666, it was much larger, but through the years it shrank in size. It was found in southern India. It is worth over $250 million. It is the Hope Blue Diamond. Not very big. But there's not another one on the face of the earth that's like it, and its value is worth $250 million. It is 45.52 carats diamond. That is awesome. What a wedding ring. What a wedding ring. This is the unique thing about it. It's hidden in the Smithsonian Museum, or excuse me, that's where it's stored. It's hidden behind three inches of bulletproof glass. Isn't it amazing what we'll do in America to hide our material possessions that we think is worth so much. Yet we have scripture because we're one of a kind. We serve a one of a kind God, amen, none other. He says his word and he is more precious than these rubies, than these diamonds. I think we need to be about protecting it, don't you? That's what sincerity is. 
just like that diamond's behind three inches of bulletproof grass, whatever I have to do to keep my faith sincere, whatever I have to take refuge in and hide behind, I will do because, yes, it is that important to me. If there's something he calls me to give up, it's given up. Help me to be able to walk through that. And people around us will not understand. They'll look at us and ask us, but listen, we have a faith that's not of this world. It can't be explained by, by worldly wisdom. And we've got to be okay with that. We've got to be okay. Listen, we have to be okay with not being a part of the majority, amen? We have to be okay with not being a part of the majority. The majority do not believe what we believe in the world because we believe in the one true only Son of God that there's not 50 million ways or five ways or three ways to heaven. There's one and his name is Jesus Christ. And we've built our house upon that rock. Sincerity and faith. I'm not going to be like the majority. See, our, our Jesus is not interchangeable. See, if people have a faith where they can take Christ and plug, it, plug him into any other religion and go on, then you don't have the true Christ-centered faith because Christ doesn't plug into any other religion, amen? It is him and him alone. He stands all alone by himself, supreme God. The big G amongst all the little Gs, amen? But he is supreme. And the majority's not going to think this. That's the reason why you weep and you cry and you cling to it. And we do everything that we can to say, God, we're at your feet. We need to hear you speak one more time. Lead us and guide us and direct us. God, I want to make sure my soul is connected with yours. Let your spirit lead me and guide me and direct me. And people won't understand the only people that will understand is the minority. That means it's the other people like us that are connected into God. And they'll get around you and begin to lift you up and say, we got to keep doing it, amen? But we're not a part of the majority. And we've got to be okay with that. Because our faith is not of this world. See, we also have to be okay with not apologizing. I'll speak for my culture. Listen, one thing I'm, a, I'm tired of is apologizing for, for, for chasing Christ for living in a way that honors him. Listen, there'll be things that, that will not be in my house because they are of the world and Christ said not to do them, amen? And I'm not gonna apologize and we're not gonna take a stance back, are we? Now, we don't get to be rude and negative and nasty, but at the same time, I'm not gonna be apologetic in my spirit because I have found the answer. I have found that thing that my soul longs for. And a sincerity and faith it's saying, God, with everything that's within me, I want to chase it. I want to chase you and your word. I want to go where you tell me to go and say what you tell me to say and do what you tell me to do, God, and help me do it with a pure heart and a good conscience, God. Help me do it in a way that with sincerity that I don't make excuses for my imperfections and blemishes, but rather I throw myself at your feet and say, God, you used me yesterday, use me today, and use me tomorrow, amen. Sincerity takes guts. Matthew chapter 7. We all know the scripture really well. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Many will go that way is what scripture says. Narrow is the gate and few go that way. We're not in the majority now, how do you know if somebody is preaching this 
kind of sincere faith. How do you know that you have that sincere faith inside of you? How do you, how do you know that? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Because as you read Corinthians, you see Paul talking about a couple kinds of things like that. You, you see that he, he helps us understand that there are a couple of lies that we have to be careful about. One is that in the sense of, of what we're trying to do here, there's a couple of lies that we have to guard ourselves from so we can stay with the one true faith that is not of this world. And, and other faiths, what they do is they base their life on, they teach worldly wisdom. And, and it's simply saying this, that if you understand all the wisdom in the world, you have enough. Oh, Lord, help us all. That if you're the smartest person in the room, you're doing really good. It's that worldly wisdom that says you don't have to have any, there is no creator, or you can make up your own creator. You can have your creator as a grandma cooking cookies in a basement somewhere, and it's okay. And that's the, world, that's the worldly wisdom that we're talking about. Now, it doesn't mean we can't learn things from people. Amen? But our faith is not of this world, therefore our wisdom is not of this world. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, Paul is speaking, and he says this, Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? And he's helping us understand that, listen, the worldly wisdom is foolishness to God because he's not into it. Beware of people who get behind pulpits. Beware of yourself. Be on guard if you begin to be pulled towards that because what worldly wisdom does is it entices the flesh. See, spiritual wisdom, there's nothing about it that makes the flesh feel better, amen? It is directed at the spirit man. That worldly wisdom kind of has a way of pulling us in telling us things we want to hear, not necessarily what we need to hear. The next one that he talked about was false teachers of Christ. People who are in Christ were teaching false things. They were taking the word of God. They were taking what Christ said and bending it and manipulating it for their personal gain. Now watch out. I know that all of you guys right now probably has names floating through your minds. The only difference between whenever Paul and today is, today we have TV screens that flash all this stuff forward. But they had the same thing that we have. Listen, we have to be on guard. If we're going to be a one-of-a-kind religion, and I say religion lightly, if we're going to be a one-of-a-kind and we follow Jesus Christ with all of our heart, we're on guard. We're not into worldly wisdom, amen? And we're, listen, we're watching out for false teachers in Christ. We're asking the hard questions. And for me, it's easily summed up in three different questions. A, does the person speaking or does the Christianity that you have in your life, does it address your sin? Because false teaching won't address sin. A sincere faith will say, God, if I have sin in my heart, if I have something that repulses you, that, that, that aggravates you, that makes you mad, or anything like that that would cause a division between me and you, God, let's address that now because I don't want anything to be in the way. I want to have, have a complete, does it make sense? I want to have an open tunnel, so to speak, between you and me. But so many times, people don't want to address sin. The true gospel addresses our sin nature. It comes to us where we are. We don't have to fill it in with wax. 
First, or John chapter 16, verse 8, and when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. That's talking about the Holy Spirit. He is the helper. The Holy Spirit will come, and what does it do? It convinces us. It proves to us that we have sin in our life, and the gospel proves that to us. But what we find on the other end is a loving Jesus, and we'll never feel love like we've ever felt. Amen? So does it address sin? But no, there always is an invitation. See, Christ, whenever he would go out and he would speak to people and he would call his disciples, he said things like this, follow me. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross. And we see all these words of invitation. See, there's always an invitation. Same thing during Paul's day, people would come up and almost confuse and stifle and do things that would scare people. Almost saying, well, if you need help, I can help you out of this. I alone can help you, things like that. And Paul was saying, listen, that, 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 that cannot be. It is through Jesus Christ. And then finally, it's hope. It's in our church name, amen? Only found in one, Acts chapter 4, verse 12, you know very well. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Romans 10, chapter thir- or verse 13, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And everybody says, Amen. That is the gospel. That's how we fight it, and we know that it's not of this world because we're not saved through men's thinking, through education, through material possessions. We can't be smart enough. We can't do any of those things. It's through one name, and that name is Jesus Christ, Son of the living God. Amen. And with sincere faith, we say, God, whatever would come into my life and pull me off the path or put something in my life that would fight that God, I just want to pull down those strongholds and cast them out that my one center focus is you. Because world, world wisdom will pull you in, amen? we got to realize and be comfortable with it. Hey, man, we're not of this world, amen? We're in it, but not of it. Now, second thing Paul helps us understand is we have to combat corruption. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17. It says, peddlers of God's word, which corrupt the word of God. Okay, the King James Version says this, which corrupt the word of God or peddlers of, words, of, uh, of the word of God. And what they mean is people who will preach the word of God and intentionally corrupt it, will intentionally do things to manipulate it and put it in understanding that maybe people can't understand or do it in a way that will scare or be fearful or those type of things. And Paul is saying, listen, you have to be careful. And for you and I, if we want to have that sincere faith, we fight corruption with everything that's within us. Amen? We do not let it draw us in. The truth is we just have to be okay with a straight shot of truth. 2016, an article was written about the world's uh, advice from the world's best athletes. And in that was, it was really a, really a good article, but it was for people who mountain climb, marathon runners, bikers. It even had an NFL strength and conditioning coach. I mean, it was, it was a wide array. And they came up with some things, and they said, listen, you have to embrace rest. You have to eat real food. I thought that was the most interesting one of all. Eat real food. As a Christian, I need to be feasting on the Word of God. I don't need to be feasting on things that look like the Word of God. You know, an athlete doesn't really need to be feasting on little Debbies, do they? Not if you're going to be serious about it. It was interesting to hear some of their advice. So feast on real food. Get comfortable with pain. Oh, that's, everybody goes, nope, not me. Sleep, I'm in on that one. Here's another one. You got to accept fear. 
You gotta accept fear, know that you're gonna push your body past some standards and you gotta be primed for performance. It was interesting to hear their real take because what they were telling young athletes is things they needed to hear, not what they wanted to hear. Listen, you gotta get ready. You gotta take care of yourself. This other world, they don't take this kind of stuff serious, but if you're gonna be the best athlete you can be, you've gotta take these seven principles and apply them to your life and be serious about it. And that's the same thing with you and I. If we're gonna be serious about this sincere faith, which I know I'm looking at a bunch of people who are, listen, we fight corruption with everything that's within us, amen? We look up and we judge things and we ask God to give us a check in our spirit if we have corruption in us or if somebody is delivering corruption from the pulpit, amen? Now, Paul gives us three simple things, and this is where I close, three simple things to help us fight this corruption. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17, there at the very end after he says, pedal of God's word, but as men of sincerity, what does he say? As commissioned by God. If we're gonna fight corruption, we're gonna have that sincere faith. One of the things that we do is with all of our heart, we just love the commission that we're given. We don't try to fight it. We don't look at it as something that we have to do. No, we've been commissioned by God Almighty. And there's something inside of me that rises up, that's produced by the Holy Spirit, that says, God, I get to go out and do your work. I get to go out and labor. I get to go out and be a warrior for your kingdom. You've called me to do all these things. And I'm not gonna look and be grudgingly or anything like that, but rather, God, you've chose me. So I'm gonna love the commission you've given me, amen? I'm gonna love it. And you might have to say, your, say, say that to yourself 50 times because God's going to ask you to do some stuff your flesh doesn't like. But Paul says, listen, you were commissioned by God. So love that commission. Make disciples, baptize, preach the word of God. Do all those wonderful things and see what the Holy Spirit won't do in your life. Amen? But to fight that corruption, to be in that place where we say, listen, God, we want to have sincere faith. Fall in love with the commission of God. See how God changes life. The second thing that he says here helps us understand is to back corruption. We love God's involvement. I love this part, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17. As commissioned by God, and then he goes on to say, in the sight of God. In the sight of God. Welcome God's involvement into your life. Does Christ have the freedom to look at every area of your life? It's one thing to know that he does. It's another to say, hey, God, here's my life. I want to fight corruption with everything that's within me. I don't want to just be a peddler. I want to have this sincere faith. So my heart's in a place where you can look into the deep, dark corners of it, God. If there's areas in my life that I need to change, God, I know that you're looking, and I want to give you that freedom because I know that's where the change is going to come from because I can't change within myself, can we? We can't do that. We have to have the help and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So we're at that place of that sincere faith saying, God, everything that's within inside of me, if there be an area in my life that I'm trying to hide, if there be an area in my life, God, that I am embarrassed or ashamed about, that I would come to you because you ask me to be sincere and throw myself at your feet and say, God, you have side to anything in my life. Change what you want to because I want a sincere faith in you. It's not a faith of the world, is it? It's a sincere faith that says, God, it's in your sight. And finally, he gives us this last one. He says, we speak Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17. For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak Christ. The greatest ways to fight corruption, the greatest ways to live 
in the presence of Christ, which is contrary to all the other religions on the world. Amen? Speak the name of Jesus. Speak that name that is above every name. Amen? Speak him in the church. Speak him at home. Speak him in the parking lot. Speak that name in your car. Speak that name over your marriage, over your kids, over your school, over the community. Amen? Because we speak Christ. And if you want to fight corruption, we can't do all that stuff within ourselves. But we know Jesus can. Amen? So we're in that place where we say, God, help us. Help us have a sincere faith. That way when people get around us, they see our hearts. They see it revealed that people get around us and they don't understand. They're like, man, you take this stuff so serious. And you're like, I know I do. Can you tell me why? And you might not even be able to answer that outside. You had a collision with Christ. Now everything has changed. So you're compelled to do the things that God wants you to do. That sincere faith, that faith that stands before Christ, that stands before a world who would want to rip it out of our hands and say, no, I'm digging in my feet and I'm planting my life in Christ and there's nothing the world can do about it. Speak Christ. Fight that corruption with everything that's within you because it has a tendency to pull us. But at the same time, we stand and we say, God, I know that I'm commissioned by you. And I want to encourage you with that. You're commissioned by God. God has a calling on your life. Yeah. Satan would, do, would love nothing more than to rip that out. But it's usually not like a rug out from underneath your feet all the time. A lot of time, it's kind of what that song says. It's a slow fade, isn't it? Little by little by little. You know, corrosion is something that's very interesting. You lift up the hood of your car one day and you see a little bit of corrosion on your battery. You shut your hood, you go back two weeks later and all of a sudden you see a bunch, don't you? It's not something that happens overnight. A little time after a little time and then you get in your car and eventually it won't start, will it? The battery cable and the battery's messed up. Fight that corrosion with everything within you. Say, God, whatever dark areas I have with sincerity, I stand before you, God. This is who I am and I need your help and he'll meet you there, won't he? Would you bow with me? Father, we thank you for your wonderful hand in our life and what you've done this morning. God, our, our one cry is that we take Paul's advice as he was pouring his heart out to Timothy. And God, we stand before you with a pure heart, a clear conscience, and a sincere faith, God. That, God, we're willing to ask the hard questions. Does my faith look like that sincerity that you gave us, God, that you showed us through your word, that when we stand before you, it's everything that we have within us to follow you. Guard us from those things of the world that would want to creep in and cause destruction and corrosion, God. Father, help us in that place in our hearts and our lives to have that sincerity that is so real and so true and so pure father thank you for what you're doing in the hearts and the lives of your people and i'm gonna ask you with your heads bowed if there's some corrosion that's gotten in your life if you'd say you know there's some things that i know that is kind of in the way between my relationship and the lord's relationship and i need to i need to make sure i, I take care of that this morning that I bring that before God and I don't 
wax over it like it's not there and make it something that's not, but I just drop it at his feet and say, Christ, help me. Because he's waiting on you. Now, if you're not a Christian, the first step is giving your heart to Christ. But if you're a Christian, listen, we all fail. We all do things that we shouldn't do. But don't just wax over it. Bring that before the Lord. Say, God, here it is. I'm in a place where I need you. Let me ask you another question with your head bowed as you process this. Are you in a place right now where you look at your home? You look at yourself? It might be looking more and more like the world and less and less like the Bible. Less and less like Christ. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you and take care of that this morning. Don't be discouraged because you're home, because you don't look like the majority. Don't be discouraged by that. But take that assessment and say, God, I want to look more and more like you every day. I want my home and the things that I'm in charge of to look more and more like you every day. Now, would you stand with me? How we're going to dismiss this morning is I want my altar workers to come up here to the front. If, there, if there's a couple of you guys here that would just come up. Because I always want to give anybody an opportunity. If you need special prayer, if you need prayer for what we've just dismissed, I just dismiss you from your seats to come down and grab somebody's hand and pray with them. But I know that it's a delicate thing this morning. I understand that. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. As they come forward, I want you to grab your neighbor's hand. If you feel comfortable, grab your neighbor's hand. If you want to come down, come on down. We've got prayer time for you. You can stand here in the middle and we'll pray for you. But I know what I've spoken today is is difficult to kind of get out and move. So we want to take care of it from our seats this morning. Have that moment between you and God where if your house is looking like that, you get it straightened out. If there's some corrosion, you get it straightened out. But also at the same time, I want to pray against discouragement. Listen, we are a different people, amen? And we're not going to be apologetic about it. God, help us to live in your spirit full of strength, amen? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your grace, your goodness. And as we sit at our seats, God, this morning, As we're at the front this morning, God, you know what's in our hearts and our lives. Father, if there be anything that causes that corrosion from you, God, that we would repent of it, snuff it out this morning. If there's anything in our homes, God, that we would do the same, kick it out. And Father, for the believers who are in this room, who are doing their best, God, to make their homes that place that honors you, God, I pray for your grace and mercy to abound in their lives. Let them be encouraged, God, to continue, God, to guard the TV screens, to guard the screens of their home, God, to guard their minds, Father, that things will not be allowed in and they will hold their footing in a world that wants to push them down. God, thank you. We take joy that we are a peculiar people. We're not like the world, God, because we know we have the answer, and that answer is you, Christ. So we stand firm on that this morning. 
God, we know that when we're there for forgiveness, God, you'll meet us there. But we also know that you are our strong tower, our refuge, our strength. And the righteous run into it, and we are safe. So we speak Jesus over our homes, over ourselves, over our families, over our community. Father, thank you that we're different and we're not the same. Father, as the people go out, let your grace and your mercy be upon them. Help us all to be the lights that you've created, God. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, if you believe that, can you shout amen? We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory, and hope changes everything.